0: This is Conversation with the Cooks, presented by Husker Sports, a monthly podcast with Nebraska volleyball coach John Cook and former All-American Lauren Cook. On this edition of Conversation with the Cooks. It was when they announced the Pinnacle Bank Arena, and then I started getting calls literally an hour later, like, okay, are you guys moving to Devaney? And I said, why would we move to Devaney if it's not good enough for basketball? Why is it good enough for volleyball? Well, he texted me and said get up to my office right now and they just said his veins were popping out and he was really really fired up
1: now here's your host lauren cook welcome back for another episode of conversation with the cooks i'm your host lauren cook west and of course i have nebraska head volleyball coach john cook with me we're here to bring you more wisdom insider information and funny stories so let's get right into it tonight i know we've all heard or read about your path into coaching and how you ended up at Nebraska. But let's just do a little refresher. So how did you get into coaching and then what led you to Nebraska?
0: Well, Lauren, when I was, uh, I knew I wanted to be a coach in, uh, I wanted to coach and I was just thinking high school uh, because in order for me to ever get to college, a coach took me aside and helped me get to college. That's a whole story on a podcast one time, but.
1: But not a volleyball coach.
0: No, this was... A, you just wanted... Uh,
1: to, you really wanted to be a football coach.
0: Correct. So I, didn't, I didn't even being... know what volleyball was. And uh, anyway, so I wanted to coach football. And it was actually... It was my um, it was my basketball coach in high school said, hey, I think you can go to college. But I had trouble passing the SAT test. And anyway, I finally got it passed and got to go to college. And, and so that's when I decided I wanted to be a coach because, you know, it was so important to me to be able to do that. And was, I was the first one in my family to go to college. So... That was a big deal. So I started coaching, I uh, was at University of San Diego and um, my senior year we were Division two basketball and I was on a scholarship there and then they went Division one, so I was a 6'3 forward so they kind of punted me out the window so I said great I'll go into coaching. So I started coaching football my senior year in college at Coronado High School.
1: So wait you still have a year of eligibility? Yeah. Fred, Fred Hoiberg. <laughs> you were yeah. sinking threes the other day at practice. Yeah. Maybe so,
0: he could use you. Yeah. So I coached football uh, my first year at Coronado High School, finished my degree, and then coached there another year. And I was substitute teaching, trying to get into Coronado High School. Well, if people know where Coronado is, it's like one of the best places in the United States to live. It's probably one of the most expensive. And no teachers were leaving there. So I, but my second year, actually, the defensive coordinator came down with Mono. So they named me the defensive coordinator we won the conference we led the conference in defense points scored and went on and we lost to Lincoln High School in the CIF playoffs who had Marcus Allen who went on to be Hall of Fame pro bowler all that stuff so needless to say they were a little better than us with and him and his brother were playing so then I coached one more year of substitute teaching and coaching football at university high school thinking I could get in there. I couldn't get in. And then the small school where I had actually done some student teaching right up the road from university of San Diego offered me a teaching job. And they said, but you have to coach all the girls sports, volleyball, basketball, softball, girls track. So I said, great, I'll take it. Cause they gave me an apartment, which is a big deal in San Diego at the time. Cause it's so expensive to live there. you and your mom and I got married or your mom and I got married <laughs> and, uh, everything was great. She was working for Price Waterhouse. I was teaching and coaching and had summers off, and it was awesome. So I was, my life was fulfilled, and, um, you know, that's exactly what I wanted to do. How I got to Nebraska. Well, at the urging of your mother, she, first of all, I started coaching volleyball, and we were very successful. We went to the CIF playoffs, and in year four, we won the whole state, which was unheard of from a team from San Diego. Because in L.A. and San Francisco, they had club volleyball, but in San Diego, they did not. So at the urging of your mother, she said, why don't you go get your master's in coaching? So I enrolled at San Diego State and got my master's in teaching and coaching effectiveness. Best coursework master's degree ever. It was with world-class professors. It was awesome. And I uh, really, really enjoyed it. I got straight A's and was really inspired to coach. And then also... At the urging of your mother, she said, why don't you start a club program? There's so many girls that want to play, and they have no place to play outside of high school. I said, okay, so we'll try it. And so me and another guy started this club. Well, it had boys and girls, and the thing exploded the first year. In 1988, which was the second year of the club, I had 10 top 10 Division I players on this club team because it was all the best players. There was only one club in San Diego, so all the best players came to this club team. And Nebraska came out on spring break, and we were good enough to play them. So we scrimmaged against them. I met Coach Pettit. About four months later, he called me up and said, I have a coaching open. You want to come back? And at the time, your mother was uh, working for Price Waterhouse in accounting and didn't like it. So I said, why don't, we, why don't we go to Nebraska, and you can leave your job. And so we loaded up a U-Haul and pickup up truck, and Wendy had never been to Nebraska. They flew me in on an interview, and I really liked it. So we went to Nebraska, and— you know, the, the famous story is her first trip and her first movement into Nebraska as we drove into Ogallala that night, it was in August, it was 105, the south wind was blowing, you could smell the feedlot and there was cockroaches everywhere. And so Wendy was not happy that we were moving to Nebraska.
1: What, what, what were her exact words?
0: She said, she was crying and said, what the hell are we doing here? Why are you bringing me here?
1: <laughs> She's going to kill you for saying that on the podcast. But I was actually going to ask you about that story because it's such a good story. Now she loves living here, and
0: oh, she bleeds Husker. This is, yeah. yeah, this
1: is our home. So, all right, you've been the head coach for the Huskers for the past 20 seasons now. Did you ever think when you accepted this job back in in '99 that you were going to be here for that long?
0: Mm-hmm. I never, I never really thought about it. I just take it year by year and, and go from there. I mean, the only job I would ever leave Nebraska for uh, would be the USA team and and do that.
1: Which you, you got asked to, I was, to take I was asked, that asked. I think I've
0: turned it down three times between the men and the women. Because the problem was, you know, there's so much travel with that. And I, it, the timing wasn't right with you and your brother. So I had to turn it down. But that would be the only job I would leave Nebraska for would be the USA team.
1: So going over kind of just a review of your past 20 years here, you've gone through how many assistant coaches?
0: Oh, I have no idea. A lot.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have to count well, them
1: all up. We. We'll have to do that for the next podcast and give a, a head count. But your goal with them is just to essentially turn them into head coaches.
0: I try to hire people that want to be head coaches because then they'll immerse themselves in every part of our program, whether it's camps, offense, defense, uh, beach, uh, academics, life skills, because they have to learn all that, you know, if they want to be a head coach. So I, I like to hire people that want to be head coaches because of that reason. And then I think they're motivated and then they, you know, they've got, Kind of a reward at the end, you know, of the opportunity. They do a good job here. They'll get a great recommendation coming out of here and get a head coaching job. And that's happened for several of my assistants. Craig Skinner at Kentucky, Chris at Illinois, Lizzie Fitzgerald went to um, Georgia, Eric Sullivan went to um, Texas as an associate head coach. Trying to think of who else. Uh, Lee Mays went to Virginia. So it's a great stepping stone to get a head coaching job, and they know that.
1: Does it wear you out? I mean, I don't think people understand how much work goes into when you bring in a new assistant coach, you're having to teach them, you know, the Nebraska way of how you guys do things, how you run things in the program. And it's, it's different at every, every school, every program is different. So is it exhausting having to constantly filter through assistant coaches?
0: A little bit, but it's also energizing because you're, you're working with new people, new ideas and, you know, as I get older, I'm hiring younger people. So it helps me stay connected with that generation. They have new energy, new ideas. So for me, it's actually uh, enlightening a little bit because I have to change with the times and, and being around those younger that younger generation helps me, I think, adapt and adjust and, and stay energized.
1: So you've had a lot of assistant coach changes, but you've also had a few AD changes. I think you've gone through five. Since you I started,
0: Bill Byrne hired me, it was then Steve Peterson, then was there Coach Osborne in between there, Sean I. Course, and now Bill Moose, so yeah, five ADs.
1: What's been the hardest adjustment, changing ADs and, and going through different ADs? Or or maybe, not even an adjustment, maybe some positives and negatives to what it's like having, I mean, it's essentially your boss, so you're changing your boss every few years. Just talk about the positives and negatives of that.
0: Well, I, I think to simplify it, the, the the best ADs are the ones that build a relationship with the coaches. They're in it with you. You feel like they're in it with you. And I call it emotional support. You feel like they're emotionally involved. They agonize over losses and celebrate with wins. And, and you just know that they're, like I said, emotionally involved in your program. And so that's, that's what, to me, separates the other ADs. And the other big thing is the ADs, I think that, set themselves apart are the ones when you ask something and i ask a lot of crazy things and i have you know because we we try to dream big so we Give try me some to think examples. Outs, uh, well the latest is this new new black court we have i mean that that is like totally outside the boundaries of of what to ask for so you want ad's that'll dream big but what i like you know i think what's most important when you ask an ad they don't tell you no right away they say okay let's see if we can find a way to make that happen and you know and I do a lot of that leg work and like with this black court I mean I went and negotiated so we could literally get two courts for the price of one and sold them on this alternate court that would sell them other courts and now you look at all the courts everybody has so it worked out as a win win for everybody but some ADs would say no we're not doing that it makes no sense and so on and so the ADs would say hey let's I'm not going to say no we'll find a way and see if we can make this happen those are to me those are the ones you want to be around and they're inspiring and motivating and uh, you know, make it fun. But I will say this, you know, the AD I've probably been closest to was Coach Osborne, but everybody tells me the maddest they've ever seen him, these are his players, people have worked for him, was that me? <laughs> <laughs> and it was when they'd announced the Pinnacle Bank Arena, they were going to build it. And then I started getting calls literally an hour later, like, okay, are you guys moving to Devaney? And I said, why would we move to Devaney if it's not good enough for basketball? Why is it good enough for volleyball? Well, He had yet to meet with me yet to tell me that they wanted to redo Devaney to make it a volleyball facility. And I said that, and Uh he was going into a regents meeting. And anyway, the timing was terrible. So I got a call. uh, He texted me and said, get up to my office right now. (laughs) And they just said his veins were popping out. And he was really, really fired up to see me. And anyway, he goes, I'm not going to make you move to Devaney, but we're doing all this. It's right there. You could increase your attendance. I said, okay, coach, here's the deal. We do it. There's eight things that have to happen. He said, what are they? And we wrote them down right there. And one of them was to shrink it and make it, because we wanted to make it intimate like the Coliseum. And so we, and we had to increase women's bathrooms. I mean, it was all the things that the Coliseum was lacking, but we wanted to bring the Coliseum over there with us. And he said, okay, we can do these. So here we go. And that's, I still went screaming and dragging my feet, but, you know, it's been a great <laughs> move for us.
1: Not you and T.O. are BFFs.
0: Oh, yeah. T- Coach T- Coach uh, Osborne and I are, uh, T.O. and I are, are buddies. So, but yeah, we bonded on that day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Another BFF of yours, the word on the street is Coach Frost. Can you confirm or deny this?
0: Yeah. Coach Frost and I go way back when he was playing pro. He would come back and work out in the Coliseum, played basketball together, we played golf together, and so we just got to know each other, and then I continued to follow his coaching career and stayed in touch. Whenever I'd see him, I'd ask him questions. He invited me to come out to Oregon and watch him train, and I followed him when he was down at UCF, US, uh, UCF and we just stayed in touch. And he's a great guy, and love talking with him, and I think he admires our program. And really, our, our connection started when it was over his grandmother, and his grandmother was living in North Lincoln and she loved volleyball, so I helped him get tickets to come to a match in the Coliseum back when he, he, like I said, he was playing pro, so he was coming back and forth, so we got her into a match, took great care of her, got her set up, and you know, she was in the 80s or 90s, and uh, so anyway, it worked out really, really well, and his grandmother would watch every match, and as she got older and older, she would be, had to get closer and closer to the TV to hear it and see it, and so <laughs> Anyway, we always just stayed in touch because of his grandmother. And so that was a special connection. Like so many stories, you know, we know hear about families and grandmothers and relatives and their connection to Nebraska volleyball that kind of pulls everything together.
1: Has he offered you a football coaching job?
0: No, but uh, this, for example, this spring, I was in their spring meetings watching video with offense one day and then defense the next day. And, uh, you know, it was like I was part of the staff. That's how they treated me.
1: Were they asking for your opinion or advice?
0: or? Not really. I was more asking them questions. But um, <laughs> it was just really interesting to see how they operate and how they do things. I learned a lot. And I'm, I'm just very appreciative that all the football coaches here that I've been here with have been great. And they accept us. They love volleyball. They respect volleyball and I always feel super welcome I mean, I've traveled to bowl games with co- with different teams I get to be on the sidelines if I want uh, actually with Bo I was actually on the headsets for a game down the sidelines so. Were you really oh yeah so that was that was, was awesome that? it was it was awesome I loved it so.
1: the most cuss words you've ever heard in your life <laughs> <laughs> there were a few
0: it was a very stressful game too so there was lots going on and it was it was anyway I just felt very privileged to be able to do that
1: I remember coach Bellini was very supportive of Husker Volleyball, and it seems like Coach Frost is too. Does, yeah. does Coach Frost ever come watch video with you guys? No, or?
0: he hasn't. He's been a little yeah, busy. I know he's done
1: a pep talk.
0: Yeah, he's done a pep talk, and he, he's come, he'll he's he he'll come to our matches for a little bit.
1: I thought you banned him from matches because uh, what was the story, Nicklin? Yeah,
0: Nicklin missed their first serve last year, the very first match. and Cause Scott you know, Frost was she blamed, she blamed it on <laughs> Scott Frost standing behind there in the hallway. So, but no, um, but we talk, you know, whenever we, we talk, we talk volleyball and he talked, you know, I ask him football, he asked me about volleyball. So, no, it's, it's a great relationship and, you know, it's pretty cool and, you know, it's part of being in Nebraska. That's what it's all about. And I've helped him with some things and we go to events together and our paths cross quite a bit.
1: Do you think you're going to start working with Coach Hoiberg and watching video with his team? Because <laughs> you used to play basketball.
0: Yeah. I've lost my interest in basketball, but I want to go see them practice. And, you know, I just, we're in season right now, but eventually I'll get a time to go watch them practice, see what they do. I think he's, he's a really good coach.
1: So we all know coaching is a tough profession, and especially at Nebraska, where expectations are just so high. And I obviously know how much you've missed when it comes to family life, but tell everyone else how hard it's been to balance family life and then kind of your team life. That, Cause the girls are, it's like you have 15. How, how many players do you have this year? 16, 17?
0: We have um, 16.
1: 16, it's like you have 16 daughters and, yeah. and then your staff is, is like your family. So talk to me about how hard it's been just balancing that line between you know, giving 100% to your family home life and then also giving 100% to your volleyball family.
0: Yeah. Well, coaching is a tough profession because of that, you know, and right now it's seven days a week and, you know, it's hard to stop thinking about it. But um, I, I just, first of all, you have to have a very supportive spouse to be able to do it because, you know, your mom had to carry a big load a lot of times and I have to miss a lot, but you try to make it up when um, you can and you know for example I got to, I, I missed a couple of your state championships but I got to be there for a couple so it's just how it worked out but I just remember um, when you when you guys were young I would get home and it was bedtime for you and so I would go read you a book and I don't think I ever ever read the, the, the you know the kid's book because I would always fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think you'd be nudging me like finish the book finish the book <laughs> and Anyway, it's just part of it, but you make the you, you make the most of quality times. But also because of that, you know, you and our family has got to do some pretty cool things: go to Final Fours, travel around, and get to hang out in gyms or football fields and be around sports and teams. So that's pretty cool, and that's you know, it's part of the advantages of it. But it's always a challenge. But you know, there's everybody's got challenges like that. But I have al- I always just tried to make the most of take advantage of the opportunities that we had to go in the gym or go in the football field with your brother or go hit baseballs or whatever because you got you know, I'm already there anyway so we got all those facilities and find a time to use them and then you got to make the most of the time that you're together and try to maximize that and you know and you have to give up a lot I mean I missed a lot of, a lot of stuff but you, again, you try to make it up
1: I don't remember you reading books to me but I do remember every road trip when you would come back more so at Wisconsin because I was younger then but when you would come back, you'd get in pretty late. I mean, you usually get in around midnight and you'd always come in and say goodnight and kiss me on the forehead. I just remember when, whenever you got home from the road, it was like, okay, dad's here. Life oh, wow. is good, yeah. so I remember that.
0: Wow, you, you didn't sleep through that?
1: <laughs> I think I would pretend that I was sleeping, <laughs> but I, I just remember that, so. All right, I think all of Husker Nation wants to know what your plans are after you leave Nebraska, which hopefully isn't another 20 years. We'll, we'll, it sooner another, than 20 yeah. <laughs> years. <laughs> but what are your plans once you retire? A couple
0: more losses like Saturday night. It's going to be faster. Oh, my
1: gosh. Saturday I night. I said in the
0: it's press it's conference day. i we're either going to make changes or I'm firing myself or, or I'll fire assistance
1: I heard that. Yeah. So Saturday night is the Wisconsin matchup because when this comes out, this will be about a week later. Okay. So technically it will be, I think it will be about next week. So I think a lot of people would be upset if you fired yourself. <laughs> so anyways, what do you want to do once you retire is, life after coaching is volleyball still involved or are you moving on to the next chapter in your life?
0: Uh, there's a couple things I'd like to do. First of all, we'd like to move the mountains. So, and we're working on that right now, having a place in the mountains to go to. Second thing is I would love to, uh, drive a backhoe or a grader or something, move dirt, (laughs) build, create, and then, uh, work for a
1: construction company. Oh yeah.
0: Or start your own company. Yeah. love to do that. Okay or run a coffee shop bakery have my own little business but you don't drink drink coffee i know but i love the smell of it and maybe this cold brew i gotta start drinking it but or coach high school football
1: really (laughs) yeah
0: so just coach high school football show up for practice watch a little video and see you tomorrow
1: try to get a job at a high school that's prominent and known for for they're they're always
0: looking for coaches i mean high school i know but
1: one that's really really good that you know win state championships or no, a program that's a work in progress
0: wouldn't matter just probably somewhere small town somewhere
1: would you also want to teach get back no no no, no don't just want to coaching. Teach, Yeah. okay so live in the mountains maybe drive a backhoe on the weekends i don't even know what a backhoe is is it
0: yeah it's a big tractor okay digs big holes. tractor yeah
1: drive a big tractor on the weekends coach football during the week
0: maybe drive a snow plow in the winter
1: and then have a little coffee shop yeah
0: i'd love yeah hang out with the boys Talk to the farmers, do that stuff. I'd love to do all that stuff. So, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to go down to Arizona and play golf. I, that's not what I want to do.
1: <laughs> you want the snow? I thought you wanted to drive a snowcat uh, up the ski mountain. I would
0: love to do that. That's that would be the next step. But I got to learn how to drive the baby ones first.
1: Okay, <laughs> is, is it hard to learn?
0: Well, yeah, it's a big equipment and it's technical driving, and yeah, got to drive in bad conditions. So.
1: Hey, you got your pilot's license, so I'm sure you'll be able to drive a backhoe. I hope so. Will will any will you do any flying once you retire? Because you you got your pilot's license and you were flying a lot, and then I think you just got too busy, which you're always busy. But so I don't know how you found time to get your pilot's license in the first place. But do you think you'll start flying again?
0: Possibly. Um, what happened was so uh, in 2009, I decided I needed to do something. In fact, one of my kind of advisors told me like, you got to do something so you don't think about volleyball all the time. So my choices were, I I came up with two choices, learn to play the guitar, because I wanted to do something I'd never done before. And and I wanted to be coached by somebody because I was like burned out on coaching. So I wanted to be coached by somebody like, okay, how, what do I like? How, how do other people coach? And I just felt like I just hit the wall. And so I thought, okay, guitar. Somebody could coach me how to play guitar. You would
1: be terrible at playing the guitar. Yeah. Or
0: I'd been flying around a lot in, in uh, with uh, some pilots, going around speaking and stuff. And actually Todd Duncan, who owns Duncan Aviation, goes, why don't you buy into one of our planes and get your pilot's license and fly yourself? So I thought, okay, maybe that's it. Get my pilot's license. So I started the guitar first because... It was a lot less expensive. And you
1: took guitar lessons. Oh, yeah.
0: So I, w- I found this guy. He was really good. And we started off. And about, after about three sessions, I'm like, no way. I, this, I'm, this isn't going to work. But he was really good. I just like, this is this is too hard. It's it takes too much time. My fingers hurt. And so I'm not musically inclined. So I started my pilot's license and loved it uh, except it was very stressful. Anyway, about three weeks into it, we did, uh, I was loving it and doing great. And then we did crosswind landings one day and I was terrified, got out of the plane, told, told my instructor, the guy was coaching me who was, who was awesome. And he really changed my perception about how to coach. And I said, I'm done. I quit. I can't do this. And and that's when he told me, he goes, you just got to trust your training. And that's why, how many times have you heard that? My players have heard that we talk about it today in practice. You got to trust your training. And if you just focus on trusting your training, you can, you know, do tough things. So I got back in and trusted my training and got my pilot's license and then uh, was really training hard, got my instrument rating. And then we started beach volleyball. And that really took a lot of time because I would do that kind of in the winter is when I could really train and then I'd fly in the spring. And so anyway, it's something you got to keep up with. You just don't hop in the plane every six months and fly somewhere. It's I felt. I mean, you need a lot of repetitions and beyond it, but anyway, that's what, that's what I did. And it was a really great diversion. And, and I used going around speaking and recruiting as part of my training. So like I would go to Minneapolis, Des Moines, Kansas city, Denver, and I would get, take a pilot with me and do my training, go recruit and then come back. And so it worked out pretty good. And at the time Coach Osborne was the AD, and so people don't know this, but Coach Osborne used to fly himself around recruiting, and that's one of the reasons I decided to do this, and I've actually been to small little airports like North Platte, Alliance, and and Coach Osborne's on the logbooks there showing up, and people remember him coming in, so he flew a lot, and uh, he was the one that encouraged me, and so they let me use what I normally get for expense accounts that I could apply to in the plane. So it worked out great. Now, however, later, all that changed and they shut all that down. And now, if we fly, we have to take, we can't fly, we have to take two pilots. And it's become much more regulated. But uh, anyway, it was fun for a while there. And I was getting a lot of hours in. And, and then uh, became, uh, like I said, that's not something you do unless you're practicing all the time.
1: All right. So it's finally time for our cook confession and our cook lesson. Hopefully you have something prepared this time since the past two. We're <laughs> yeah, over Lauren, two.
0: I, I think about this all day long.
1: <laughs> all right. So my cook confession. I just gave
0: you a bunch of confessions. I want to coach <laughs> high school football. I want to drive a grader or, or backhoe. I uh, would well, love to open a little coffee shop bakery. I mean, those are some big confessions right there.
1: Those aren't really confessions. Those are goals, um, things that you want to do. But here's my confession. So, uh, I got caught once sneaking out in high school and I, w- I had a 9 p.m. curfew, which I now, I understand why you guys did that, but I got caught once sneaking out, but it happened more than once. <laughs> so.
0: I hope your mom doesn't listen to this.
1: <laughs> so there you go. Conf- putting that oh. on the table and confessing that oh. now. Thank you. Marie. And then Thank you. my cook lesson is the great ones adjust. Okay.
0: My confession is is that either i either always have you or Lindsay pick out what I wear for matches. So I always Ooh, bring...
1: that's a good like one. Like the
0: other night I brought three things because I couldn't decide. <laughs> so you, you weren't there, so Lindsay picked it out. So, so if anybody doesn't like what I dress, blame it on you or Lindsay.
1: But yeah. I, I always go and buy the shirts yeah. to start with. So the shirts, I'm going and sourcing and finding the shirts yeah. and then... You're just bringing it to the match and making a game time decision. Yeah, yeah. we just got we, you have new shoes for this year. Oh, I know. I'm, Some new I'm shirts, I'm new pants. Out.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, what's your lesson? Yeah, you cost
0: me a lot of money buying all that <laughs> stuff, by the way.
1: But people comment, and I've I've received tweets before. People ask me, "Where did you get Coach Cook's shirt from? I want to get it for my husband, or I want to get it for my brother." And so you're you're a style icon.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool, huh?
1: What's your lesson?
0: My lesson. What What do you mean lesson?
1: Your lesson. What do, you, what do you want people to know? What do you want to teach them? Piece of uh, advice, words of wisdom. Piece
0: of advice. Oh, geez, Lauren, this hard uh, <laughs> piece of advice. What am I, what was I telling my team? What was my thinking this week?
1: I think you were talking about, well, when I was there being present, something about being present, being in the moment point by point or something.
0: Yeah. Well, we always talk about that, but that's, that's no big lesson. I think, uh, you know, I, I think probably the lesson that resonates biggest, with, most with me is, you know, continuing to dream big, don't let people tell you no. And, that, that you know, we, we have, that's kind of our theme is dream big at Nebraska. And some of the things that Nebraska Volleyball has accomplished, if we didn't have that mindset, that would have never happened. You know, and I look at Coach Frost right now, you know, he's, he's setting the stage for dreaming big and bringing this football program back. And it always doesn't happen right away. And, you know, same same with us. I mean, there there's years where you think, hey, we're never going to get this done and we're never going to be any good. You know, we went a long stretch with never going to a Final Four and everybody's questioning it. But you just have to keep dreaming big. You keep working at it. And, you know, when things don't go your way, you let that energize you to how to, how to you know, as I tell our team, you got to dare to be great. And, and uh, so anyway, there, there's my, what I've been thinking about with our team right now.
1: That's a good one. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you next month. Go Big Red.
0: Conversation with the Cooks is presented by Husker Sports, featuring Nebraska volleyball coach John Cook and former All American Lauren Cook. Project manager is Michael Zorb, edited by Josh Hilkeman. Sound design by Brett Whitty, voiceover by Mike Elliott, cover art provided by Sam Noonan. To find other Husker Sports podcasts, subscribe to the Husker Sports Network wherever you listen to podcasts or listen and find out more at huskers.com slash podcasts.